Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. Yo, yo, what's up? Welcome to GLE Today. We have some firkin' blood in the house. That's right. This guy, 6'5", <laughs> 216, redshirt senior from the University of Tennessee. He's number zero. He's got a restaurant named after him called The Zero Zone. He's the founder of Metro <laughs> Straw LLC, president of NILU at On3 Sports, which is the premier college sports database and digital media company for fans, media coaches, and athletes. He's also my cousin. And I'm so pleased to have Grant Ferking on the show with me today. Grant, welcome to GLE, man. Cousin Phil, man. Great to be here. It's, it's been a long time coming. I've, I've admired watching all your all your podcasts so far. So it's an honor to be on internationally right now. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see how these things can just kind of exponentially grow, right? And you you know a little bit about that. You know, I'm, I'm actually kind of a, uh, a student of yours. You've been an entrepreneur about 10 years longer than I have. So, you know... <laughs> Why don't you just start off telling people your kind of unique story in entrepreneurship uh, and got you where you are today? Absolutely. You know, unique is is one of the many traits, I would say, of, of kind of what my journey has been. It's been special. It's been interesting. Um, but it, my, my whole journey as an entrepreneur and, and a business owner and a leader started at 15 years old. And, um, you know, many people would, would, would laugh and um, and kind of joke with that. But uh, it, I'll kind of take you from base one where it started. I was 15 years old, youngest of four. Um, you know, all my other siblings went and played a college sport somewhere. And, and I was an active athlete at the time down in Atlanta where we resided. And, uh, you know, I went to my dad one day and, you know, dad really want to be in a position where I'm making really good money, but I don't want to forfeit, you know, being an athlete and going and play college ball because, I've watched my, my siblings go and do it. Journey looks awesome. The experience in college looks awesome. The, the connections you make, whole nine yards. And uh, he looked at me and, and was like, Grant, I get that. That is awesome. It's so special. You're so unique for coming to me and asking that. But you realize at your age, like you're working minimum wage at the, at the local ice cream shop, coffee shop. You're going and working at Chick-fil-A. If you want to make serious money at this age, you can do it, but like, you're going to be the leader and like being a leader and going and starting something and opening a bank account, and you know, all that stuff on top of, you don't even have your driver's license yet, <laughs> whatever you want to do, whether you're just having to get to work, whether you're doing something where you have to drive, like every, everything is against you right now. Right. And I've kind of always been a guy that um, wanted to prove people wrong and wanted to just go and, and do it and kind of, let people, you know, laugh after the fact that, that I proved them wrong. And, uh, I, I started a, a pine straw and mulch business. Um, it was, it was May of 2015 and really all I did, and, and you know, I'm, I'm on a, a national speaking tour right now, going around talking to, to college and universities and, and teams. And, you know, I, I tell them all the time, 
when I think about entrepreneurship and being a leader, but at the core of just when you're starting something from inception, I feel like a lot of people at this age and this generation think that, you know, they have to be the next Elon Musk, right? They have to be the next Zuckerberg and they have to make the, the Facebook Tesla. They have to have a new iPhone. Like entrepreneurship at its core and a lot of successful businesses aren't something that is just revolutionary and the first big thing, right? I had my success and a ton of other business owners have success because they do something that's ordinary at a higher level than their competition, right? And if you can create value and deliver value to your consumers at a higher rate than your competition, mm-hmm. you're going to have success. And whether that's you know making a toothbrush better, having the next best toilet paper, whatever it is, that's a need for a consumer. And if you can bring value to their lives and make their lives better by how you do it and how your employees and how you deliver it to them from customer service to the actual quality of the product to follow-up and sustainability that they want to keep coming back to you, you're going to have success and you're going to have success that's sustainable and long-term. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about what I started, the landscape industry, the green industry is probably um, the most low barrier entry sector to get into, right? It, when you think landscaping, you think put a trailer on the back of a truck, hook up a mower from Home Depot, put flyers and mailboxes and roll, right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, we live in the most crowded landscape market in the country. Atlanta is just huge. It's warm year round. It gets a bit cold for a couple months, but mm-hmm. you know, the metro area is over 6 million people. Um, you know, there's millions of homes and apartments and, 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 you know, multifamily complexes and everything's always growing. So from one-offs to, you know, huge commercial landscapers, it's a huge crowded market. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at it and examined it, I said, how can I enter this market and be successful from day one? And how can I take a burden off a lot of the big time players that are around there? And so I started doing just enhanced at work, pine straw mulch, something that has to be done, you know, once to twice a year by contract with HOAs and and apartment complexes and, you know, businesses and schools. And I said, man, a lot of these, a lot of these landscape companies are, are having to pay their labor by the hour. And when you're, you're getting paid by the hour and some guys are just getting the ride on a mower all day and some guys are rolling in a truck half the day, you know, just spraying lawns, you know, it's five minutes in, you know, no one's wanting to sit and lay mulch for six hours in the, in a hundred degree Atlanta heat and get paid the same way as someone that's riding in a truck half the day or sitting on a mower, just cruising through properties. Right. right. So we went to these, these, these big time landscape companies and said, Hey, you give us all your straw and mulch work. You just send us a list of all your properties and give us the amounts, the square footage, We'll give you a price. You guys mark it up and, and your customers won't even know who's doing it. You know, we're a representation of you guys and we're going to go and crush it because then I in turn can pay all my labor by the unit, not by the hour. Cause we're so only doing two things. You did all this at 15 years old at 15. And so that was my business plan. Right. So That's I would, crazy, I was like, man. I have to, you know, in, in the green industry, you have two hard factors you're always doing with. You have labor that you always have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And in our industry, it's predominantly Hispanic labor. So you're always dealing with different immigration laws and, mm-hmm. and that changes every four years depending on the election cycle, all sorts of stuff. And then you're dealing with the climate, like seriously, from what we grow to what we harvest, to like we literally can't produce any revenue if it's, if it's raining. Right. And so when I'm, when I'm thinking of all these things, you have to be diverse in what you do. And so like when I started at 15, were we making a million dollars from day one? Like, no, but we started, you know, word of mouth. We started, I got my school who takes, you know, grounds really seriously. I started out with them. And then, you know, that led me to another one. And so by the time I got to 16, 17, you know, I had, you know, four to $500,000 worth of business to where I was like, man, 
Like I have something that's growing exponentially. I'm about to go off to college. Mm-hmm. I had a legit conversation with my parents saying, why do I need to go to college? Like I'm going to major in business supply chain. What I'm doing right now is going to be the same thing that I learn and then go do after college. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I was predicting that I was going to go to college and actually learn more things being hands-on day in, day out, going about those things, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, onboarding someone, terminating someone, um, you know, you're dealing with a fire that, that, that comes up at 5 p.m. in the afternoon on a Friday, right? And, and those are things that like you don't get taught in an econ, you know, 311 class yeah, or right. you don't get caught in a in a entrepreneurship or leadership class. You right. get taught those things, you know, doing it and being thrown in the fire and you either sink or you swim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I went off to college. My parents were like, Grant, you have a great opportunity to go play, you know, division one football at a school like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've already proven that you can start something and grow it at 15 years old. You know, if it fails, you know, you go and you learn your lessons. You already knew how to do it the first time. You go do it when you're 23, when you're out of college. But if you want to, you can keep it going and grow it and put people in the right place to lead it and have success and run it. And you go be an athlete and you have an even more incredible story. Right. So I thought about that. I slept on it. You know, I really took that in. So I went off to Knoxville. I decided to keep the business, put a plan to keep it growing. And we honestly, we probably, you know, throw away, you know, three to 5% of margin every year, just because, you know, I have people that, you know, I have looking after things that like, I seriously just don't have time to do, whether it's, you know, being in football for four to five hours a day, you know, I'm still, you know, I was getting my undergrad now I'm in grad school. I still want to have a social life. Like I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, let any of those things go away just for Mm -hmm. the sole fact that I'm doing something that a I'm passionate about, but two, like, I don't necessarily need to be doing like right now, right? It's sure. like I have a mortgage. It's not like I'm having kids to support. Like it's been great to do it. And it's given me means and resources that God so, you know, so greatly blessed me with in this time of my life. But like, I've just put my mind to like what we started at day one when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And that's led me to college. And that's, you know, grown us from Nashville to Birmingham to Charlotte. And now being, you know, a multi-million dollar company. And now, you know, that transition and kind of proved my credibility as an entrepreneur, as a, as a business owner, as a student athlete mm-hmm. to where we're living in this awesome new area of name, image, and likeness where I could be a credible student athlete to go and, and not only lead a division in that, but be, you know, an outspoken person to empower and educate today's student athlete, but do it in, a, in an interesting sense that I'm leading it. I've been an entrepreneur, but like at this point at this time, since July one, eight months ago, I'm still a current student athlete going through it with them, right? I'm, awesome, I'm, I'm going through the biggest shift in college athletics history with them at the same time, but I'm seeing right. it and, and kind of right. viewing it from, from a couple different angles. Dude, it's crazy. Like I think about my college days and like when you're describing like the Friday night phone calls and putting out fires on a business, like so probably very small percentage of college athletes, college people in general, students would go through something like that, like, and, and even want to, right. They're, they're more focused yeah. on other things. And like, I just think it's so cool that you had that drive from such a young age. And I'm curious, you know, you were talking a little bit about some of the pressures, you know, people laughing at you or, or whatever, yeah. you know, people deal with that going through anything, but what, what kind of gave you your identity and your, your self image to where, you could stand alone and and go after your dreams. Just talk a little bit about identity because I just think identity is so important to really to really have that firm foundation and and uh, stand up to some of those pressures. You know, 
Absolutely. And, you know, and, and my dad will say it, I will say it, when you are starting a, a company at 15 years old, every single force in America and your industry is against you. Like, it's not easy. And like, disrupting and, and, you know, starting off in something that's been established, and it's saturated, isn't easy. And, you know, I would say that I had, um, you know, a, a little piece of me that was like, I'm 15 years old, I'm 16, 17, 18, even now, it's like, you know, if I would happen to fail at a new business I started, or, you know, something goes south, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, at, at that time, I was 15, 16, now I'm 22, 23. Right. You know, I, I'm good. Like, I actually, there's times in my life that I wish I would have failed at some things more, because I would love to sit back and really examine those things and turn that into something successful down the road. By all means, I make mistakes every day. Like I've, I made some today. I made a hundred last week. I made a thousand last year, right. From, yeah. from as a person, uh, you know, I'm a sinner, like as a business owner, like I didn't put people in the right places to succeed. I miss things, but like, I try to, I, at the end of the day, I try to look at those and turn them into something I succeed at the next day. But right. in a whole picture, you know, if I was to fail at something at that age and the grand scheme, it really doesn't matter. Right. Like it's mm -hmm. going to set you up for success for your next thing, you know, when most people are starting something or going accepting their first job right out of college. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about self-image and, and kind of where those pressures came from and how you respond to them, honestly, you know, having confidence that is, that is in a strong foundation um, was everything. And that confidence honestly just came through my faith, right? At the end of the day, are the things I'm doing on this earth outside of being a believer really that important? I mean, are they, I mean, yes, they are. If you look at it in the sense of supporting my family, you know, right. being loving to your spouse and being a great, you know, friend, being a great husband, a great brother, all those things are awesome. But it, do I really care what, you know, a, a competitor said about me to a vendor or do I care about what one of my employees really thought about how I handle a situation? I want to succeed. I want everyone to appreciate me and like what they do and like how I treat them. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about, hey, I'm working for a, a 16 year old, hey, you know, I don't really trust this guy. He's just starting off at 16, 17. Like, obviously I knew that stuff was coming, so it didn't really affect me, but sure. I heard that stuff. All, I heard that stuff all the time. I mean, I still hear that right now. Oh, right? Sure. I'm 23 years old and, you know, I, I'm, I'm running an area for a company now. I'm, I'm, I'm still a, a business owner and I'm still in college while doing it. And mm -hmm. stuff like that just comes up at all different times. And if I didn't have faith and I wasn't confident in who God made me and, and the, the traits and the abilities and the resources he's so, you know, so graciously blessed me with, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be easy. And, and right. I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of people that would be in my situation that, that lacked a, a foundational, a strong foundational faith would crumble stuff like that. Right. It, it would take away their confidence. 100%. Um, and, and that would affect them as a leader, as a business owner, as a friend, as a, as a brother, all those things I talked about that I am, mm -hmm. those make me better because of what I stand on. And, you know, I can always fall back on that, even when I have great days, when I have horrible days, um, because I know that there's something far more important that, that, that reaches far past what I'm just doing on this earth. Right now. I love that, man. That's so good. You know, like, I'm so proud of you, man. Like straight up. It's really cool. It. Your story is so cool. Like the thought of 
basing your identity on like what you do. I think people fall into this trap and it's, it's, it's like, uh, a, a, a trap of the world, you know, that you, you yeah. get titles, well, it, you get it, 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 seriously, it consumes them. Like, yeah. I, I, like I am a, like, like you, you were a college athlete. Like yeah. it, like it, when you were in college sports and you go from, you know, youth ball, you're playing, you know, football, basketball, baseball, swimming, equestrian, tennis, like from youth to, you know, when you go off to college, like your sport, you think consumes you and then you go off and do it in college. And it seriously, like truly does consume you as every part of your life. 100%. But whether you talk about, you know, coaching, whether you talk about athletics, whether you talk about, you know, going out to the corporate world, people find their identity and how people portray them and what their successes are. Right. And, and their days are great because of it. Their days are horrible because of it. Mm-hmm. And seriously, that consumes them. And, and, how shallow would it be that if every day you have to wake up and ha- by how things go at work, by what people say about you, what you right. think people think about you, like if that's what you fell back on and that's mm-hmm. how you had to determine how your life was and, and were you happy and are you going to wake up the next morning in a great mood to go attack the day? Mm-hmm. Like that is a pretty uh, shallow way to have to live your life and not it's shallow in the sense of like you're doing things wrong, but like I would argue like that shows the, the lack of faith and, and there's, there's way too much of that in our society and it, and it's easy to get, you know, rubbed off on and, and think that you need to live like that too, because then it just turns into a competition of, Hey, you know, they're feeling like that, you know, then you reflect like, man, what am I doing? Like, am I really living up to, to this level, this person? Um, and, and so like all this stuff is just shown me at a very young age of, you know, society right now is at, is at a very um, crucial point of where, like, trust and, and confidence and, you know, friendships and, like, morally strong and ethical things mm-hmm. are falling by the wayside because of, you know, the, the sinful greediness in all of us humans. 100%. And, man. And, and whether that's, you know, you're putting all your, your, your time and energy and resources and, and how you view life and, and, and who you are as a person, how you value yourself and, you know, who you are and what you do every day um, to, to a, a zillion other things I could talk about. Like the, the interesting thing in my shoes is that like, I've been able to see all that stuff at a very young age, right. By people that I work with that work for me, um, you know, that I've interacted with just in the business world to people I've interacted with you know, in, in college and in the athletic scene. And, you know, that's why, you know, more than anything, kind of why I like doing what I do mm-hmm. is, is just trying to inspire and empower the next generation of, you know, you can do more when you're, you know, 17 through 21, other than just going to college, getting your degree and partying and right. doing the stuff that, that, you know, 99% of other uh, you know, kids in that age group are doing right. Yeah. And, and all those stuff that you have the opportunity to do in that, in that, you know, age and time frame, mm-hmm. like leads to so many other things and, and provides you so many different examples of, of what life is after. And that's why I'm so excited about this name image and lightness era. Cause you, you know, you have athletes getting compensated now and making real money, but you know, it's, it's not just someone just handing them money for no reason. Like a lot of these athletes are having to, you know, do something in return for that. They're working for a brand. And right. so they're learning to, to answer to a bigger audience, right? Yeah. They're learning to, you know, what they post and what they talk about and what they do. You know, they're not only answering to their brand, they're answering to, you know, that, 
that brands consumers, right? And, sure. and when they do something stupid, you know, maybe a deal goes away. So like all this stuff that I've wanted to do for years, mm-hmm. I really couldn't even talk about until July one, because I couldn't even reference being a business owner and an athlete. But like the reason I'm like so happy and, you know, and, and have been so excited to talk about educate and empower over the last eight months is like, I've just been able to see, you know, through talking with my siblings and my dad and then living through it, like what is important in life and the things you deal with that I can actually apply to be a better, you know, friend and, and leader at, you know, 22 years old, rather than having to wait, you know, five to seven more years to go and learn those things. Once kind of the, the false reality of the college life is over. hundred percent, man. I love, I love that perspective. And I want to focus in on something before we get to the NIL conversation. I want to kind of dig into NIL a little bit, yeah. but, um, you know, you said something earlier, you don't have to be revolutionary. You can do something ordinary better. And I, I think so many people think that they can't or don't, or, you know, they have to become something different than they are currently to have a big impact on the world. Like they, they don't see right. that right where they are, they can change the world with one conversation. And like you're talking about with your business growing exponentially word of mouth, like even just over a couple of years, like play, we're playing an exponential game. You, right. you don't know how every little conversation action you're taking day to day could expound to, you know, kind of like your story. It started with a young 15 year old kid who was willing to take a risk and stand up and start something. He saw a need, yeah. he's going to meet it. And now look, stair step, business girls, now off right. to college, NIL president, you're doing a national tour. I'm talking to you. Where are you again right now? Dominican Republic. Yeah, he's down in the Dominican yeah. Republic and he's, you know, he's hopping on on GLE. So, you know, right. it's super cool, man. Like so so cool that you've stood up and done that and and you know, you can see that exponential fruit in in your story, you know, there's fruit on your tree, right? Right. Um let's talk about NIL. You know, obviously people probably are aware of it if they're into sports at all. For maybe so maybe those that listen to GLE that aren't like big sports folks, give just kind of like a uh, overview of how we got to the current social environment, NIL type of environment yeah. in sports today. Yeah. You know, honestly, if you would have talked to me, you know, even five months ago, we're in a completely different place than we are right now, um, you know, in mid-March, but, you know, NIL is something that's been a- around forever, you know, being compensated off your name, image, and likeness, whether you're a professional athlete, whether you're an entertainer, you know, a business owner being compensated on, on who you are and the brand that you've built, you know, as college athletes, you know, since inception, you've never been able to make money off of, off of who you are and what you do and the brand that you've been able to build. So on July 1 of this year, um, you know, the, the NCA, um, you know, enacted, you know, legislation that, and states followed along with it that you, college athletes at the amateur level could be compensated and make money off their name, image, and likeness. And the interpretation of that has been thrown around everywhere, and it still is today because, quite frankly, the NCAA is, is losing traction at a rapid rate. You know, they can't win over, um, you know, any, any good images, you know, at the university level from fans to, you know, even in, in, in court, right? You know, they've been hammered in court dozens and dozens of times. And so, you know, when NIL legislation took place, every state, you know, had, had different legislation on what it allowed, you know, every state was usually pretty, 
um, on the same page of, of, you know, a college athlete can't work with vices, right? So you can't, yeah. you know, work with brands that involve drugs, alcohol, adult entertainment, gambling, all those things. And, and mm-hmm. pretty much every state was in line with that. But then you had states, you know, uh, you know, have different stipulations in there that, you know, you can be compensated once you commit to a school, even as a, as a high school athlete. Other states said, you know, you can't do anything with the NIL until you're enrolled on the campus. You know, and then you had, you know, different states doing things that, you know, you can use the license licensing and marks and and logos that the school you go to other states said you can't touch that. It's your brand, your personal brand. You're not working with the, the institution to make money. Right. Um, and so when you don't have any direction on that, every athlete, whether you're talking about football, basketball, whether you're talking about gymnastics, equestrian, you talk about male, female, you talk about division one, two and three you're talking to a massive audience, right? There's, there's close to 500,000 student athletes nationwide. Sure. When you talk about NIL, you're talking up to 1% when you say, you know, the guys are and girls are going to make six and, and seven figures just because of who they are and what they do. They're not even trying to go out and get brand deals and work with brands. Um, and so when, we, when this whole industry started, I was like, man, like I, I haven't been able to even reference being, an owner, any of my companies and say, I'm a Tennessee Vol student athlete at the same time. Right. Oh, wow. I couldn't, aside from that, you as an athlete cannot go to the local, you know, barbecue restaurant and get a free rack of ribs and just take a picture and be like best ribs in Knoxville. And they couldn't even give you a free meal. Right. right. They, you can go to, you can go, you know, beat Alabama on the road third week of October and go get a free meal at a restaurant because that, like that would be an NCAA violation. You would have to repay that if you got caught and probably lose eligibility because of it. So when you break down the NIL discussion, like there's elements of it where it's like literal stupidity, right? Like the NCA is blocking you from doing things that are only going to benefit you and benefit a restaurant, right? Like how right. does that affect your amateurism, right? Yeah. And not to mention, I mean, those things have been going on for a long time, right? The, the amount of time that, I've probably gone in and, and gotten a, a free meal just because I'm like, it's been going on. Do they really care about that? But like, that was like by the book, like you could not do that. Um, and so, and so, you know, when, when this July one era took place, you know, there are companies that were really prepared for it that went off and said, Hey, our consumer in this new era is going to be athletic departments. Athletic departments can't facilitate deals. They can't help out in anything. They can't, you know, get donors together to help. All they can do is educate and they can be the, on the compliance side. So they actually can help you disclose the deals that you do. So it goes the NCA. They know who you work with. They, they, they can, you know, kind of help you prepare about when, you know, tax season comes around and how much you made and, you know, all the, all that side of things, but they can't help anything on, on securing a deal, facilitating it, you know, finding resources to, to help you get a deal. Mm-hmm. And so the bunch of people that went off are like, Hey, our, our, audience our consumer is going to be athletic departments we're going to go and sign a bunch of athletic departments as their official third party you know Uh nil you know partner okay well you know when there's when there's lacking uh you know regulation and kind of red tape in this it goes everywhere and we've seen that we've seen you know collectives at universities which is which is just you know the 30 biggest donors in every town getting together and just raising, you know, $30 million to go and just basically buy recruits and say, you know, you're an IL deals, you're going to come and show up at all of our son's birthday parties and you're going right. to pay $2 million a year, right. Yeah. As an enticement to come. Then you have schools that go out and, you know, get on the recruiting trail and they try to hit States where you can do NIL deals when you're in college. And they basically say, Hey, when you get to, to Georgia, you know, this is your deal at $600,000. 
and it turned rapidly from, you know, Phil, you go into the local pizza shop and getting, you know, a thousand dollars in gift cards a year and you being able to bring your teammates to eat every Saturday mm-hmm. um, and, and getting free meals and getting, you know, a thousand dollars in gift cards or a cash deal, or even, right. you know, a big brand calling and saying, Hey, we're gonna put you on billboards, do commercials. And here's $50,000. Oh yeah. That's a real deal. But then it turned into, you know, here's a bunch of money. So you don't hit the transfer portal. Here's a bunch of money. So you come to my school mm-hmm. and you're not really doing anything in return. And that opens up the argument of, of fair market value. And then are you are employee at the school and all this sure. stuff. And so when we, we saw all that stuff, I was like, man, we really have a, a ability to go and not really have a direct, you know, consumer in this on three at its core is a media company. Shannon Terry has built the biggest sports media companies in the, in the country at the college level from rivals of 24 seven. He knows how to, how to make a successful media company from, you know, national columnists to building a database um, from doing recruiting to doing current college sports and message boards, the biggest sites, he's done all that, right? So when, when we have an opportunity and we have the front porch of being a media company, which means we have access to the athlete, to brands, to fans, to coaches, like anyone can log in and see our stuff. We're not putting all of our marbles in one basket saying we're only work athletic departments and that's what we're doing it into, regardless of if the NCAA or, you know, federal government decides to enact legislation starting to do stuff. We have the ability to go and just educate athletes on, you know, how you can put yourself in, in a position of success to go and find deals, right? Mm-hmm. How you can go and be an entrepreneur, how you can go out and be, you know, a good leader, whether that, you know, translates to being on the field in the team meeting room to you going out and, and finding deals and, and going on offense and knocking down doors to try to find opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like that's our front door. We have all sorts of tools that, that, that are on our site now from, you know, NIL valuations to purpose value, how much you should charge to do an Instagram post and Twitter and TikTok right. that these brands are asking you to do. But that's successful to every athlete. Like your athletic mm-hmm. partner is have to sign us to give that opportunity to you. Mm-hmm. You're an athlete. We have profiles on all of you. Here's resources. And then we're going to build education to go and do it. So now wow. we're building high-level education, um, d- d- tailored, delivered exactly by what athletes would want to digest, right? I, I play right. football at Tennessee. I do up downs and run stadiums for guys that don't go to class and miss tutors and don't show up for, for training table. Nice. So when I think of, you know, education to today's current athlete, I'm not looking to, to make the next textbook or go and have more modules for them to click through and take a test at the end. So we went out and we found, you know, the biggest names on social media where you talk, you know, eventually getting to like the Marty Smiths and the Jay Cutlers and the Andrees and the Sean Johnson's like getting them to advise and create high level education, whether it's, you know, social media, when to post, how you post, whether it's, you know, Marty Smith, Jay Cutler talking about, you know, mindset from a media perspective, from a current or from an ex NFL perspective of, you know, how you find success, how you find deals, who to work with, not to work with. And then, you know, you, you go and talk about financial literacy and literally what does that look like? Here's how much money you're making. You know, how can you save that? What's a Roth IRA? Like stuff that, you know, isn't over people's head. It's not getting too complicated, but stuff that is relevant in this day and age. Now that you're able to make money and and we talk anything from financial literacy to taxes, to budgeting, then you go into, you know, being a great leader, character, reputation, and then you get into, you know, a lot of you guys are going to have deals come to you because of who you are, what you do. Some of you guys are going to have to go and find deals and go to a local restaurant, tell the manager you want to do a deal and tell them what NIL is. And then you have other athletes that have no idea what it is, that mm-hmm. have great ideas and maybe want to be an entrepreneur, right? right? And that's where I can share my story. So we're basically taking this, this era and educating and empowering and doing it the right way while giving tools 
but without backing ourselves into a corner and saying, Hey, we're just going to work with the athletic department. We're just going to work with one athlete and kind of be their agent. We have the ability as a front porch to do many things because we can educate and empower, not just in this area, but we're setting them up for success five to 10 years from now. Grant, you're so impressive, man. People listen to this right now. They're probably like, this kid can't be 22, 20, how old are you? 22, 23, uh, about to be 23. Still, 22. I thought you, I thought we were really close to it. So yeah, well, know, it's coming up. It's impressive. If you're not following Grant, you got to go follow him on all the socials. He's at Grant Ferking. Ferking is spelled F R E R K I N G. You're one of the few uh, people that would know that. I am. I am. It, yeah. uh, it's my, my mother's maiden name since we're yeah, exactly, related. but, um, <laughs> I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of Firkin jokes over the you've years. Heard, sure, you've heard I'm it sure all, you have man. too. <laughs> oh, I have too, man. I have too. I've heard all the, the, the starting lineups from my siblings. I've heard every, every, you know, pronunciation of that good and bad as possible. So right. I'm glad there's finally someone that can, that can say it right. There you go, man. Hey, um, we are running up on time, but I want to ask two questions before we go. Number Absolutely. one, before we ask the final question, what should and can people be doing to better build, you know, if you had, if you could give them one, two, three little quick tips in a couple minutes, better build their personal brand, their social brand, their name, image, likeness, their, their, their personal brand in general, what would you, what would your primary tips be for athletes, whoever out there doing that? Yeah. Well, if I, you know, if I'm talking directly to athletes um, and, and you're wanting to build your brand in this day and age, we're living on a, on a kind of a digital footprint, right? So people know your brand. If they don't know you personally and, and you're not a friend of theirs, or you don't have mutual friends, they know you by, by what they see you post and you like, and you follow on social media and they find you by, you know, Googling your name, right? So if you're an athlete and you're, and you're, you're wanting to build your brand and want people to, to know it and they want to be known for something, you know, your social media is, is the front door to all that stuff. So, you know, people think that, Hey, if I, if I post a couple of times, I'm great. Like the most successful people to get the most engagement and the biggest followings that in turn have the biggest brands are these athletes that, you know, they're not necessarily the, the quarterbacks, the biggest schools and winning national championships and high trophy winners. They're athletes that decided that I'm going to build my brand. They're going to use their platform. And what they do is they post all the time. They don't just post in a picture of them wearing their college uniform, you know, in a game, you know, they're making TikToks on vacation, you know, they're doing, you know, Instagram stories um, when they're, when they're going out at night with their friends and they're, and they're building their brand because they're telling a story of who they are. Um, so if you want to tell people who you are, you got to be about that and then do the right thing. So what you like, like people can see what you follow, people can see what you retweet people can see. And when you do those things, people associate that with who you are. So posting and, and doing all the right things on social media is huge. Number two is, you know, everything you do now in this new era of name, image, and likeness, and really what it always has been is now, you know, under a microscope and, and people view it at a whole nother level. Your brand means more, right? You know, who you work with, you're answering to a lot bigger audience than just you. You, you know, a year ago when you made a mistake, you know, it, it reflected bad on you and your family and like your university, right? Well, now, you know, you go do a deal with Coca-Cola and you mess up and, you know, you get arrested on Saturday night. They just put you in a commercial last week during a game. You're now answering to their millions and millions of customers and, and little Sally that was on the couch that fell in love with the commercial and started following you along. You, now, her parents have to tell her what you just did, like, you know, Coca-Cola just pulled that commercial off, right? So your brand now means more and affects more people than ever. So, you know, thinking before you do things, hanging out the right crowd, the stuff that athletes and kids have been taught about for years and years that they just, you know, rolled their eyes out or they fell asleep in the meeting when, when Coach brought in a guest speaker talking about, you know, being a great teammate and making right, smart decisions right. and think before you post. 
like all that stuff, it was important then. It's way more important now because it talks about dollars in your pocket and, right. and, and, and how it affects people you're working with. Right. Three, you know, I think a lot of people in this new era get caught up in, you know, what their image is and, and kind of comparing themselves to their teammates and, and others kind of in their sports world on having success. Right. You know, I, I'm not a, a, a five-star, you know, go into the draft caliber athlete, but I'm a college athlete that found success and, and found a niche in, in kind of what I do. And I did it at a higher level than other people. So don't compare and be like, Hey, I didn't get a deal here. I'm not making as much money as this guy did. You know, I've seen plenty of guys that had way less followings and, and are, are not on TV all the time, not get interviewed, not doing press conferences after games, but I've gone and made more money in this new era because they found a way to build their brand in a different way that didn't directly just involve the sport that they were playing. Right. 100%. And so when you, when you talk about not comparing this things in life, never compare yourselves to, to anyone else. And, and there's going to be times in life where, where, you know, you're sitting there at 30 years old and you've had a, a really good year and, you know, the boss has kind of been on you and, and your, your friend that isn't working nearly as hard, hasn't had the same success, you know, throughout the year, you know, gets a bonus at the end of the year, maybe even gets a promotion, right? When you right. know you deserve it more. Like right. that's going to be stuff that that teaches you lessons now that you can apply and know like that's reality and that's life 10 years from now. So man. Th- th- those are kind Great of my tips. big three. Of, and I just from building who you are, you know, not getting caught up what others think of you and knowing that, you know, you're answering to a lot more than just yourself now. Um, when I'm talking just to athletes, but I think those are things that can be applied to people that aren't in athletics, whether they're just working, whether they're, you know, a, a youth right now wanting to do something else other than sports. But right. I think those are three pretty good life tips as a, as a leader, as a business owner um, that, that are pretty, you know, substantial and, and substantive uh, that can help you in a variety of things. Awesome, Grant. Man, you're a special kid and, you know, I love you to death because thank love you for you too, coming man. on the show. Final question. You know, if you're not following yeah. Grant, go follow him at Grant Ferking, F-R-E-R-K-I-N-G. Go follow him. Grant, dude, what would you leave the future generations with? If you had one, maybe two things to share with, you know, great, great, great grandchildren of Grant Ferking and Phil Swanson, right? They're, they're sitting down the road, yeah. looking back like, dude, I can, I can yeah. listen to podcasts of my great, great grandpa sitting there with my great, great, great second cousin once removed or, or whatever you would be, right? you know, what, what would you want to share with them with that perspective in mind? Phil, that is, that is such a good question. Um, you know, I'd love to sit here and talk about, you know, how much, you know, this world needs great godly men, but you know, I, I could get down that whole road of things. But when I talk about, you know, from 30,000 feet, what, you know, this generation needs, it just needs good, solid, you know, men and women that have really high integrity that, that hold their word, that are great communicators. Um, and truly just this treasure people, I think relationships, um, and communication in this day and age is something that is so far lost, right? Like how easy is it to just shoot off emails and, and shoot a text over, you know, when things aren't going well, like so it's easy to pick up the phone and, and talk to someone when, when things are going great and you're happy or, you know, leave a voicemail on that. But, you know, when things aren't going great and, and you have to look in the mirror and, you know, you might be the bad guy in a situation, everyone just wants to say, Hey, like, you know, can I deflect it? And can you tell it to them? Or can you, you know, shoot an email over? Um, and, and that 
translates to a lot of negative things, right? Like that doesn't lead to anything good. And and right. the more that I'm around business, the more that I'm around people my age that are whether athletes or just in college, um, having really high quality men and women that that value people and and value having substantive relationships. Um, while being high character and high quality individuals that, that value integrity and honesty and faith and, and substantive things that are that are morally and ethically sound um, is something that I think is is lacking significantly and, and it's dropping off at a rapid rate and and that is at the hands of you know people from your age down to my age right like our parents, aren't going to, you know, have a heavy influence on this generation. Right. Like that's just the reality of it. 100%. But you know, you as my cousin that, that, you know, is, is, is older than me and even someone down to my age, like that's who this generation has a chance to be impacted by. And so when I talk to people all the time, you know, if I can have a sliver of an impact on this generation by, you know, what I talk being morally and ethically sound and, and trying to be a good leader um, that can deliver value through conversations like this, through the platforms I have, like that's really an opportunity right there that a lot of others don't have, but really the only avenue through social media and, and talking to people in person and building relationships and networking um, of how that can kind of grow and, and expand and really be sustainable. So Love that it. would really be kind of my word of advice. And I'm passionate about that stuff because it's, it's lacking. It's hard Huge. for me to find people that, that have those traits too. Well, Grant, you're part of the GLE network. Your network matters, folks. So surround yourself with good people like Grant Furking. Plug into good podcasts. Get yourself filled with good content. And uh, Absolutely. you're going to pour it out to the world and do nothing but change it for the better. So, Grant, thanks for coming on the show, man. I love you, cuz. And y'all. My man, so, love you long time. Yeah, 100%, man. Everybody out there, go lead everything. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time and go lead.